the perfect kid. My title today is The Best Thing You Can Do for Your Kids, part number two. Part two. Look with me in Malachi chapter two. Turn with me in your Bibles to Malachi chapter two. Just keep your finger there. Keep your your Bible open there. We're going to be teaching from this portion of Scripture uh, today. Malachi 2 and verse number 14 reads, Why has God abandoned us, you cry? I tell you why. It is because the Lord has seen your treachery in divorcing your wives who have been faithful to you through the years. The companions you promised to to, to, to take care for and keep. You were united to your wife by the Lord. In God's wise plan, when you married, the two of you became one person in His sight. And what does God want? Notice this very carefully. What does God want from this marriage union, from this husband and wife? What does He want? Godly children from your union. God wants godly children from your union. Therefore, guard your passions. Keep faith with the wife of your youth. I think it's very interesting that God ties in the commitment to the marriage union as a contributing factor to having godly kids. You see, friends, God desires for us to have godly kids. It's His desire. It's His plan. It's His will for our lives. And God says that the best thing that, that, that we can do for our kids as they grow up in our homes is to have a dad and a mom who love God and who love each other. And last week we began this series by talking about the best thing that you can do for your kids. And as we were talking about this, we, we, we discovered that the best thing you can do for your kids is to pass on Jesus to your kids. And, and, and we talked very clearly and in depth about how to do that. If you missed last weekend, I want to encourage you to hop online, listen to the message. It will help you. You can pick up a CD today at the table following the service. But passing on Jesus to our kids is the best thing that we can do for them. But, but second, The second best thing that you can do for your kids is to have a strong marriage. A strong marriage. And what I want to do today is I want to accomplish three things with this message. Three things. Let me just tell you right up front what I want to accomplish with this message. First of all, singles, I want you to realize how important it is for you to to pick a godly spouse. You see, who you marry will affect your future kids. Some of our singles here today, you you have kids, and who you marry will have a huge impact upon your kids. Picking up a spouse is not like playing Russian roulette. It is a serious decision. Matter of fact, the second most important decision that you'll make in your life after giving your heart to Christ is who you will marry, who you will spend the rest of your life with. And I want, to, I want you to really realize how important that decision is today. Number two, there's a second thing I want to accomplish. I want to encourage and equip couples who have a good marriage. I just want to strengthen you. I want to come alongside of your day and say, great job, praise God. And what I want you to realize is the huge impact that you're having upon your kids. You may not even realize it, but because you have a strong marriage, it is having a wonderful impact upon your kids. And third of all, what I want to accomplish is I want to, I want God to use this message to bring new life and just to breathe new life into a dying marriage. I realize some of you today, things are not great at home. Things are a little rocky. Things may be dying. And my hope today 
is that God can use this message as a catalyst, as an instrument to breathe a new life into your dying marriage. You see, researchers have have found many benefits for kids who are raised by parents in healthy marriages compared to unhealthy marriages. There are some wonderful, wonderful benefits. Matter of fact, as I was just looking at, at, at all types of statistics this week at, of how, how parenting and having healthy, strong marriages impacts our kids in a wonderful way, it, it, it was really just kind of encouraged me and lifted my spirits. I want you to listen to some of these statistics about healthy marriages compared to unhealthy marriages. When, when a kid is raised in a healthy, strong marriage, they're more likely to attend college more likely to succeed academically, they're more likely to be physically and emotionally healthier, less likely to abuse drugs or alcohol, less likely to be raised in poverty, less likely to commit delinquent behaviors, decreases their chances of divorcing when they get married, less likely to become pregnant as a teenager or impregnate someone, less likely to be sexually active as teenagers, less likely to contract STDs. Please hear me. There are some great benefits for having a strong marriage and modeling that before our kids. What I want to do today is I want to give you three keys to a strong marriage. You're single. When you get married, this is great principles for you to apply so that you don't run into a a trap. If you're married today, these would be great principles to, to continue to strengthen your marriage or to even bring some change to your marriage. Three keys to a strong marriage. Number one is this. Keep the marriage before the kids. Keep the marriage before the kids. Look back with me in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15. You were united to your wife by the Lord in God's wise plan when you married. The two of you, notice this, this is very, this is very key. The two of you became one person in his sight. The scripture says when you get married, you and your spouse, you become one in God's sight. The two become one. Jesus said it like this in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 6. But at the beginning, at the very beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Everybody say leave. leave. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. Say leave. leave. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Let me give you a great definition of wonderful parenting. Training up a, a godly child to leave. No, 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 that's a great biblical definition. Training up a godly child to leave. Listen, your kids aren't supposed to stay. You're training them up to leave. Some of you act like they're going to be there forever. No, you're training up your kids to leave. I know what some of you are saying, oh, Pastor, oh, Pastor, no. No, Pastor, I love my baby. I can't have my baby. Leave me. Listen, that boy ain't no baby. He's 40 years old. Lord and Lord, the boy is 40. Tell him to leave. Get your own place, boy. Find your wife. You can't stay with mom and daddy forever. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Now notice this. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. 
Don't let any human being separate. It's very important that you understand that you are not one flesh with your kids. You are one flesh with your spouse. But friends, if you're not very careful, the children can begin to drive a wedge in between your marriage union and relationship. And many couples begin to operate like the kid, they're one with their kids instead of one with their spouse. Because how many of you realize that kids are very demanding? Unless you have the perfect kid. Uh, and right, this is the perfect kid right here. Amen. This is a perfect, this kid doesn't cry. I'm my kind of kid. Amen. Just hold the baby. We don't cry. Listen, this kid don't poop. Don't have to change no diapers. Hey, thank you, G. Don't have to buy no diapers. Praise the Lord. I just felt the Lord right there. Amen. No buying diapers. Eh? One point we had two in diapers. Amen. But man, we don't have to buy any diapers. This is, you know, and this is another little baby. And this baby is not a perfect baby. It looks perfect, but this baby makes noises. You hear that? No. Look, that's not my kind of baby, you know. Listen, see, this is, this is our little baby at the Cooper house. This is Brian, Brian Rush's the work. This is his baby. I don't want no baby to make no noises. Amen. I got enough noise at my house. Praise the Lord. Give me a baby that's quiet like this. But you know what happens is, is, is couples, they, they get married and, and they, they have a baby, maybe, maybe, maybe two babies and, and three. Or, and you know what happens is, is babies, when they're little, man, they're demanding. You see, when babies are little, they, they can't change themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't go anywhere by themselves. They have to be held. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of focus to, 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 to help and train kids up when they're, when they're small like this. And, and, and you know what happens? This is a stage. I mean, this stage doesn't last forever. But do you know what happens? You see, because people get their focus here and mom's focus. They're little. They're small. They require a lot of attention. And man, it's demanding. And dad, it requires a lot of attention. It's demand. They can't do anything for themselves. But, but what happens is couples get so focused on the kids that this stage, it turns into something permanent. It was just supposed to be a stage. And the home becomes kid-centric, and everything is just about the kids. And parents say things like, you know, we just got to do what's best for the kids. And, and, and kids don't know what's best for them. And, and, and the whole home becomes kid Centric, And the marriage gets put on the self. The, the marriage gets put on, on the back burner. And yes, I understand the stage. We, we've got three. And, and when they're little, man, they're, they're demanding. But yet this is supposed to be a stage. And some kids are three and four and seven and ten and twelve. And yet we're treating them like they're a little baby. And, and, and now there's a wedge in between the marriage relationship. And God never says for you to become one with your kids. Your kids are never supposed to drive a wedge in between the husband and wife relationship and you have to fight to keep the marriage before the kids because great parenting is to train godly kids up to leave and how many know the spouse is supposed to stay amen point number two point number two there's a second key to a strong marriage number two is this continue to nurture your marriage Continue to nurture your marriage. Look back with me in Malachi 2 and verse 14. Why has God abandoned us, you cry? I'll tell you why. It is because the Lord has seen your treachery in divorcing your wives to who you have been faithful, who have been faithful to you through the years. Now notice this. The companions you promised. You made a promise at that altar. You promised to care for and keep. Isn't it amazing the wonderful promises that we make at that wedding altar? 
I mean, marriages all begin, they all start off with some wonderful promises. So some of you may remember the promises you made on that wedding day around that altar. It it, it probably went something like this. I, whatever your name is, take you, whatever their name is, to be my wedded wife or husband. To have and to hold. Oh, there's going to be some holding in this new marriage. We're going to hold all night long, all night, all night. That's what you think, eh? Man, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. I mean, listen to these promises in sickness or in health to love and to cherish. I'm going to love you. I'm going to cherish you. How long? Till death do us part. And here too I pledge my love and faithfulness to you. And friends, if, if you aren't careful, shortly after those wonderful promises around the wedding altar, there begins to be what I call marital drift. Marital drift. Husband and wife, they, they get married. They make some wonderful promises around the altar. And, and they begin their new life together. Husband's working. In most cases, wife is, is working. And, and they're working hard. And, and, and next thing you know, oops, thank the Lord, we got a baby now. Sometimes a couple of babies and two or three babies. And, and, and now, man, the babies are a lot of work and husband's working and, and trying to provide a living for his family. Wife oftentimes is working and, and, and they come home and they're, and they're tired and, and there's kids and they're trying to invest in their kids. And, and mom's trying to be super mom and dad's trying his best to be super dad. And they're, they're trying to raise their kids and, and it's all-consuming job. And, and yet in their spare time, the husband decides in my spare time, I'm going to pick up golf. And so now he's out there golfing after work and, and, and got his hobby and the wife decides these kids are demanding and I'm tired and, and I need a break as well. So in her free time, she gets together with girlfriends and they go shopping at the mall and they're shopping. And the next thing you know, in this wonderful marriage relationship, there's began to be marital drift. Then you throw in a, a good looking coworker. <laughs> then you throw in a, a neighbor that says, Ooh, sugar booger, you are fine. I'm telling you what. He hadn't told you you're fine along. You're fine. And there's this distance in the marriage. And for the husband and wife to connect with one another, they have to crawl over all these hurdles, crawling over work to try to get to one another, crawling over kids and crawling over hobbies the marriage is on the back shelf and she has to crawl over work and crawl over kids and and crawl over extracurricular activities just to try to connect with husband and there's this marital drift and there's years of that that can go on in a marriage and the home was kid-centric the home was kid-focused kids up and leave and now there's nothing in common because of Marital drift. That's why you see a lot of empty nesters getting divorced because of marital drift throughout the years. I I want to quickly give you three things you must do to nurture your marriage. I I think these are just things that we have to do as husband and wife. If you're single, man, jot these down. These will keep you from some major problems in your marriage. Number one is this, have a date night. 
You've heard me say that before, and I'm going to say it over and over again from this platform. Have a date night. It makes all the difference. I know some of you married couples, you don't know what a date is anymore. Amen. Let me explain to you what a date is. A date is when you go out without the kids. Taking the kids with you is not a date. That's called work, W-O-R-K. That's not a date. That's called work. You and your spouse go out. Husbands, can I tell you that your wife still wants to be pursued? She does. I had a woman in the first service, you know, she said about over there when I said it, she said, amen, pastor, amen. She said, Ladies, you missed your cue, amen. She still wants to be pursued, amen. I just said it for you, I just said it for you. But she, she does. She would still like you to do little things for her. She would love for you to plan a date and romance her and take her out. Can I tell you the thing that, that just keeps Tiffany and I connected with three little kids and a fourth one on the way is, is our date night. We take a date night every two every other week, two, two times a month. It used to be before the kids. Every week we went on a date together, but we go out without the kids. Like Thursday, this past Thursday night, we went out without the kids. And, I mean, just like two little kids, we had so much fun hanging out and went out to dinner. Then we went and ca- caught a movie after that. And we didn't get home till after 11 o'clock at night. And we just had a great time talking and connecting, uh, talking about our, our relationship and uh, talking about life. And it, it just brought just a refreshing in, in our relationship, in our marriage. And that happens every other week. It makes such a difference in our marriage. And I want to encourage you, listen, take your spouse out. Take her on a date. You say, well, Pastor, we don't have a lot of, listen, take her to Taco Bell. Just get away from the kids, amen, and talk. It don't have to be expensive, amen. Take her driving in the car. You know how y'all used to be when you were dating? You just drive and had nowhere to go, amen. At 1 o'clock, I'm just driving. You know I love you. Let's stop at the lake and just talk. Come on. It don't have to be expensive, but you can take her out without the kids and, and connect. I, there, there's a second thing that you need to do to nurture your marriage. Number two is this. Get away without the kids for at least a night or two a couple times a year. I just want to encourage you to do that. A couple times a year, just, just you and your spouse get away for a night or two. And you say, Pastor, we can't afford it. Listen, go to Motel 6. It don't make no difference, amen. If you've got some little money, up, take her to the Skirvin, amen, the Skirvin or Motel. But just get away, amen, and romance her and talk. And hang out. You love, love on him. and Come on, get the fires going again in the marriage relationship. Some of you may take all night long to get that fire rekindled again. Amen. But get the matches going. Come on, honey. Come on, just get the, but come on, get the fire going in the, in the marriage again. Get away. Some of you, I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, Pastor, we can't spend a night without the kids. Oh, no. They'll cry. Listen, they'll get over it. They cry anyways. Yeah, they cry. So they're going to cry. They'll be, they'll be fine. My kids cry too, and they still living. Amen. Nothing wrong with them at all. They cry. They're fine. When we get back the next day, they are fine. Praise the Lord. They're, they'll be okay. Get away. I'm telling you. Because what happens, we become kid-centric and kid-driven. And what's best for the kids? And the kids will cry. And the kids kiss kids. And the marriage drifts apart. I want to encourage you. A couple times a year, just you and your spouse get away. Hang out. Spend a night together. Just the two of you. There's a, a third thing that, that I want to encourage you to do. Number three is this. Have sex. Oh, I said it. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, see, see, some of you married couples need to bring sexy back. Amen. Sexy has been on a vacation, and y'all can't find her. Praise the Lord. you got to find sexy. Sexy has went somewhere. And y'all got to find sexy because you're married, and you need to keep that love alive. And as I told you, we don't have a problem with this in the Cooper house. No. I'm telling you, Tiffany, I told you, she chases me down. I'm telling you. 
And I try to tell Tiffany, I say, baby, I got a headache. I'm tired, baby. Maybe tomorrow. Let me, honey, I'm tired. But she chases me down till I give in. I'm telling you. Uh, uh, maybe it's not quite like that, but it sounds good. That boy preaches. Boy, I, I sounds good, though. I'm telling you. But, but you've, I, I'm just telling you, you've got to nurture your marriage. You've got to, marital drift happens easily if you don't nurture your marriage. Listen, here's what the Scripture says in Proverbs 5 and verse 18. What a wonderful portion of Scripture. May your fountain be blessed. And may you rejoice, rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. I know some of you said, I can't believe the preacher said breast in church. I did because it's in your Bible. Breast satisfy you always. May you be captivated by her love. Keep the flames of romance going in your marriage. And I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor. My wife and I, we can't have sex with each other because the kids sleep in the same bed with us. No. No, no, no. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. Go to your own room. Amen. Train up a child. Go. Sleep in the living room. Oh, no. The Cooper kids don't sleep in bed with us. It's got to be an emergency. I mean, we got to have some major sickness for you to sleep in daddy and mama's bed. Amen. The Bible says that the bedroom is undefiled. No, you defiled it right now, child. Go to your room. Oh, no. We're not going to have a kid-centric home. I'm called to be one with your mama, not with you. There's a, a third thing. I know some of you didn't laugh once on all that sex stuff because it was hitting you right there. Amen. You couldn't even laugh. You're like, Point number three, there's a third key to a strong marriage I want to share with you today. Number three is this, stay faithful, stay faithful. Listen to what God's Word says in Malachi chapter 2 and verse number 15. You were united to your wife by the Lord. In God's wise plan when you married, the two of you became one person in His sight. Two became one. And what does God want? What's His desire? Godly children from your union. And because God wants godly children from your union, therefore, guard your passions. Keep faith. Everybody say, keep faith. Yeah. Notice that. Keep faith with the wife of your youth. And I want to encourage you, stay faithful. Stay faithful to your spouse with your emotions and with your body. Keep your spouse as the apple of your eye. As Malachi says, guard your passions. Don't let your passions take you down a wrong road. Don't slip into some affair. Guard your passions. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. I want to encourage you to stay faithful to work on your marriage. Listen, I, I, I do not want you to be fooled. I don't want you to sit here and listen to the stories about Tiffany and I or sit and look at somebody else in the church and go, wow, I just wish I had their marriage. Listen, listen. Strong marriages take work, bottom line. Strong marriages take a lot of work. It takes a lot of communication to have a strong marriage. A lot of talking. It takes a lot of work to work through problems. Whether they're big problems or small problems, every marriage has problems. You see, you take the husband and the wife 
and, and both of them are not perfect. Neither one of them are perfect, and they both grew up in different homes and different families, uh, different, di- different cultures, sometimes different cities, sometimes different states, different values, and you put this husband and wife who grew up in different homes, and you put them together as one, there's bound to be problems. But see, here's the difference. Great marriages, strong marriages, they work through the problems. They don't just throw in the towel. They, they work at it. They don't buy into the notion that, ah, we just give up because the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. As I've told you many times, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. That grass has to get some lawnmower fired up too and you cut that grass and it's got weeds you've got to pull up and spray. I mean, it's, 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 it's messy over there. Stay, stay, stay faithful. Work at it. It will take work. It may take some Christian counseling. It may take some help, some biblical coaching. Get in a community group. Get some support and some help. But listen, it will take work. And here's what I want to remind you of. Your kids will reap the rewards of you maintaining a strong marriage. They really will. The best thing you can do for your kids after passing on Jesus to them is to have a strong marriage. Model a strong marriage. Singles, when you're looking to get married, marry somebody that loves God so that you can model a strong marriage before them. Listen, God's Word says, and what does God want? What does He want? Godly children from your union. Therefore, guard your passions. Keep faith. I want God to keep faith with the wife of your youth. Let me say to some of you today, I'm I'm really, I promise I'm not naive and and I realize some of you are struggling today in your marriage and, and things are not going well and it's, it's rocky in some of your homes and, and that the truth be told, uh, outside you put up a good front but on the inside and behind closed doors, it's not going all that well. And, and I want to say something and it sounds so simplistic but it's so true and so, many pe- so, so few people practice this. Listen, if you're having trouble right now, I want to encourage you turn to Jesus. Really. Submit your life and your heart and your mind to Christ. Don't don't try to change your spouse. Worry about you. You see, every time Tiffany and I have a hiccup or a problem in our marriage, and and God's blessed us with a great marriage, but can I tell you when there's a hiccup or a problem, when I begin to look at my life, most of the time it's me. And if I'll submit my life to God's Word, not, not worry about Tiffany, it's about my life being in line with God's Word and my actions and my attitudes and my words being in line with God's Word. When I submit my life to God's Word, God begins to work things out always. But what happens is so many of us are not submitted to God's Word. We're not lined up with God's Word. Our actions are not lined up with God's Word. What we say is not lined up with God's Word. Our attitudes are not lined up with God's Word. We've got a lot of us in there and and we try to follow the world what the world has to say well well things are not going good so how about oprah what, what does dr phil have to say and how about super nanny what what, what what does he say on her show and, and and i'm telling you what you have to turn to is god's word it is the answer god is is the answer sounds so so simplistic but yet it's so true if you would line your life up to god's word he can begin to work on your behalf and work in your home he can take something that looks so impossible he can take a dying marriage and breathe new life into it. Would you just submit to Him? And I just really believe, I really do, I just really believe God to do a work in your home, in your family, in your marriage. The best thing that you can do for your kids, pass on Jesus and have a strong marriage that honors God. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word.
Thanks for this very 